uh, we were discussing uh, about the issue of God having mercy on us. And we left off where we just finished the discussion about what happened when we were looking at the sons, Aaron's sons, and what they did and how they received their just punishment because they were being disobedient. They were uh, basically being flippant about the law according to how God had given it to the people. And we just need to understand that that is why they were dis, you know, deserving of punishment. And to pick up where we left off, they were guilty of this unauthorized fire. And what the author of the text was pointing out here is that we are all, we all play around with unauthorized fire. Amen? Amen. We need to admit it because we are all subject to sin. We all do things that we shouldn't do. And we need to, frankly, be on a regular path of uh, asking for repentance, <laughs> asking about repentance and asking for forgiveness from God for the things that we do. And we need to understand that God in his holiness, in his justness, meets out what is necessary to maintain his holiness before others. He will use others who are acting inappropriately in such a way where he will show, I am holy. And if you do these things, this is what the consequence is going to be. Do you realize that we have not in any way, shape, or form, because of our sin, received the just consequences for what we do? And the reason why we say that, the reason why we have the words like grace and mercy is because God has been merciful to us because we deserve a lot worse than, frankly, what we have received. We need to understand that. It's very important for us to understand that. Okay. So when we get back around the corner here, we were at the bottom of one page one. We went up to page two, and we looked at the box. Just pick up there where we left off, uh, right around the top of the page. Check the wrong attitude or actions you have been guilty of presenting before God. And we came to the conclusion that all of those items in those boxes we have been guilty of at one time or another, including the tenth one of other. Fill in the blank. You know who you are. You know what those things are. Okay. We come before God with sin. Sin shows up as actions and attitudes that don't honor God. Understand something. If it doesn't honor God, it's probably sin. Amen? Amen. If it doesn't honor God, it's most likely, I'll say 99% of the time, sin. It's sinful behavior. If we were to look at this lesson over and over again and just kind of study it, I don't know how many of you looked at it during the week, but it should make you sometimes, when you look at the sin in your life, fall to your knees because of God's goodness. It should be that sobering to look at God's holiness versus our depravity. 
And before we get into a conversation about, well, there's a lot of people out there that do a lot worse stuff than I do. That's true. You don't have to look far to to find that. You don't have to look really that far down the road from where you live to find that. But guess what? It doesn't really matter. Your sin is still a separation from the Father, Jesus Christ. Just like their sin, and you want to put a number on it, if you want to put a grade on it, it separates them from Jesus Christ too. But so does your sin. So there really is no such thing as a low-level sin and a high-level sin. You can try to put levels on it because that's what we as human beings will do. We will try to say, well, I'm much better off than so-and-so. Well, no, you're not. You need the blood of Christ to cover your sin just like anybody else. Big lies and little lies and white lies and this gray area and all that conversation we have. We use those words as justification for our sin. And there's no gray area. If, and, and, you know, and look, we've seen in Scripture, too, where things have been done to try to uh, get over. You know, Ab- Abram did the same thing with his wife when they were traveling in a foreign land. She's very beautiful. You know, she, you know, I don't want them to come and kill me, so therefore I want you to say that you're my sister. Well, that was a lie. Now, we understand what was happening in that process. We had to look at the whole story. But what that should tell you about Abram, and remember what God said about Abram, who became Abraham, I will make you the father of many nations, many people, as numerous as the sea is, uh, sand. If you can count the sand, then you'll count the number of people. But what you were learning about that is that Abram is a human being just like you. A human being with faults just like you. And yet God, that didn't disqualify him from being this father of many nations. And the reason why it didn't disqualify him is because of God's mercy. Yes. That's right. Yes. That's right. That's right. That's exactly right. Right. We need to keep in mind that our sin is not just what we own. What we do can affect other people. And we've seen this all the time. Who else had their hand up? Oh, yeah. Once the Lord reveals himself to you. Yes. In other words, you accept him as your Savior. We don't I don't think we see it as degrees of things. Right. Well we shouldn't. Right. But then you just naturally we're human beings. That's right. You know where you came from. You know where you came from. 
That's so right. That's right. How can you relate to the, the degrees mm-hmm. of sin? Right. Sin is sin. Yeah. The reason why we're talking about degrees of sin, understand something, is because we know better. A person who doesn't know Jesus Christ or doesn't have a relationship with the Lord, they don't look at sin as having degrees. We do. Because we are supposed to know better. We're supposed to know what's right when it comes to our relationship. And understand that if you're justifying, you're doing justification. And Abram was doing the same thing now. He had a relationship with the Lord. It's not like he didn't know who God was. Yes. Yep. Yes. Right. It was there. Yeah. It was present. You could read about it. You saw it. You saw what was happening. There, let's face it. We know what divorce can do. It affects other people. I've been through a divorce. My wife has been through a divorce. And we know that there is an effect on others involved there too. And we recognize that. So we feel like we're, you know, unfortunately experts. We can counsel people when it comes to things like that if we need to. A lot of people can. So we've seen the good and the bad that comes from that. It's supposed to make you smarter and better for the future so that you don't go back into the same trap over, all, over and over again. You hear about people marrying people three and four and five and six and seven and eight times. Well, what's being learned? So we have to understand all of those things. And that's just one example. There's many different examples of, of people who do things over and over again, and they, it's like <laughs> the same thing over and over. Yes, I'm sorry. Don't worry about it. You're doing great. <laughs> you know, I understand you talk about the, you know, one, one tree, not this and that, but, but that's really only partially true because first, as the scripture says, if you cause a little one to stumble, it's better a millstone be tied around your neck and cast into the sea. If you, if you tell a, tell the paper boy that you paid him last week and you really didn't, That's a great point. That's a great point. Yes.
That's right. It's the road that's been laid out because of that sin that's been put forth. Okay. All right. I think we all get that point, don't we? That God has been merciful, frankly, and has shown a lot of grace in our lives. And, um, you know, I know that when Walter and Pearl have our conference, we talk about those, all of those subjects are going to come into play when it comes to marriage and the art of marriage. That's going to be very important for us to see as well, too. Uh, yes, sir. Genesis. You cannot stay out of Genesis. Genesis 2, 7, <laughs> Genesis 2, all right, well, Jew, Genesis 2, well, let's, let's start with verse 15. Genesis 2, 15, let's start there. We need to set the stage. Whenever we, whenever we read a passage, we have to kind of set the stage a little bit for what we're reading. So it says, The Lord God took the man and placed him in the Garden of Eden to work it and watch over it. And the Lord God commanded the man, You are free to eat from any tree of the garden, but you must not eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, for on the day you eat from it, you will certainly die. Your point. Okay. Yeah, he did. It depends on what death you're talking about, is what they're saying. Well, the death here, he died spiritually that day. Right, but not physically. Not physically. Hold on. No, when he suffered right away? No, it would be years Well, wait, hold on. You got to go back. When I'm not, I don't want to get stuck in Genesis here. But what happened immediately after they ate the apple? What was the immediate response? Their eyes were opened. They realized there was a definite change. Definite change in their demeanor. Now the problem that we have here is that there's a limitation because we don't know everything that Adam and Eve experienced. But we do know their eyes were open and all of a sudden they were naked. They were naked. Where before, that wasn't an issue. So clearly there was a change at that moment which we can equate to spiritual death because remember what they were in a state of perfection where they were going to live forever Based upon our knowledge of what they, you know, now we, we also know that there's an afterlife and all that stuff, but let's separate that for a moment. There was a clear change. A clear change took place. They became ethical instead of obedient. Okay. Became moral instead of righteous. Wow, okay. Yeah. Because we have our ethics and we This is right. That's correct. I think we have realized as well that through death comes justification. Here we talk about children. Children. Mm-hmm. 
Right. Okay. I think we got that. Did you, what was the point you were making? Yes. That's true. That's also correct. And an example that Brother Beecher used, too, is that what happened, what was the result of, of the fact that they realized they were naked? There had to be an animal that had to be sacrificed for the first time to provide clothing for Adam and Eve. Yeah, that's correct. Pardon me? Someone lost their life. That's correct. An, an animal lost their life as a result of that. Which opens up, that's a whole, that's a complete change. That was not something that was part of the original creation. Okay. Yes. No, I, I know. I'm just, yep, go ahead. The bigger picture is sometimes we mistake the fact that something doesn't come immediately and we've gotten away with it. Yep. And God doesn't see us that far. I, I said, let's not do that, Dad. God didn't drop dead right there. Yep. And it's kind of the trick of Satan. Yep. Yep. That's right. That's right. That's right, which leads us to the next point on the handout about we should not have any kind of attitude where we're thinking this little strange fire we're getting cooked up with justifies us being bitter or angry or upset. I should have a bad attitude because something bad happened. No, you shouldn't. Understand something. The thing that happened to uh, Aaron's sons has happened to people in your lifetime. It's happened to people in your lifetime. This is not just something we see in Scripture. We've seen this in our own, where people have done something and God took them out immediately. It's all about mercy and grace that you possess from Him. Because we haven't been taken out, because He is going to maintain His holiness. He's going to say, I'm holy. This is the, res- this is the area that you need to pay attention to. So, now... Let's go back to where we left off. It occurred to me that Jonah's self-centeredness and anger is a perfect example of this pity party attitude that he experienced because he was basically doing what was righteous because God had told him to do it. You remember that he had to go and preach to the people of Nineveh. And Nineveh was an enemy country as far as Jonah was concerned. He didn't want to go. He didn't want to do it. And he knew that if he did it, God was going to get those people rescued. And he didn't like it. That was the ultimate response to all of that. An amazing thing. Go to Jonah chapter 4.
I don't know about you guys, but every time I look at Jonah, it fascinates me. Because Jonah is an example of human behavior. Remember, we're human beings. Jonah is a very stark example of human behavior in action, and Scripture is recording this for us to see. Remember, Jonah was a preacher. Jonah knew the word. Jonah had a relationship with God. Jonah was not ignorant of anything about God. He knew about God. He knew about God's character. He's going to reveal this in this passage. And you're going to see Jonah, a human being, with frailties, just like Abram, respond in such a way that, well, to me it's just fascinating. But it is an example, it's a stark example sometimes of what we, as Christians, might do. Jonah, verse 1, this is after he had preached, and this whole chapter is devoted to Jonah's attitude. If there was a heading on top of this chapter, it says Jonah's anger and the Lord's compassion. You could also rename that as Jonah's attitude, Jonah's bad attitude. Jonah was greatly displeased and became furious. Now, isn't that amazing? People are getting saved, quote unquote, because this was before Jesus. But people are coming to the Lord. He's angry about it and displeased. Became furious. Verse 2, he prayed to the Lord, Please, Lord, isn't this what I thought while I was still on my, in my own country? That's why I fled to Tarshish in the first place. We see the, med- we see the motivation on why he went the other direction as opposed to going to Nineveh. He knew what the Lord was doing. From the get-go, you know, because the Lord told him to go to Nineveh. But he didn't want to go. Why? Because he knew that this was going to happen. That's why I fled to Tarshish in the first place. I knew that you are a gracious and compassionate God. Look, Look at this. He knows who God is. Guess what? We as Christians, we know who God is too. You know, we try to step on him all the time. He is a gracious and compassionate God, slow to anger, abounding in faithful love, and one who relents from sending disaster. That's mercy. So in that one verse, Jonah is describing the character of God. He covers all the bases. Gracious, compassionate, slow to anger, abounding in faithful love, One who relents from sending disaster because that's God's choice to do that. Scripture backs that up. He wants every person to come to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. Verse 3, And now, Lord, take my life from me, for it is better for me to die than to live. What? The Lord asked, <laughs> I, sometimes I try to put voices with this, is it right for you to be angry? That's the Lord speaking to Jonah. Is it right for you to be angry? Because, you know, the Lord's not going to come back with him with an angry voice or yell at him and saying, you goofball. 
what did I just get done doing? He's not going to do that. He'll speak in a very muted tone. Is it right for you to be angry? Verse 5. Jonah left the city. Of course, there was no response. Jonah left the city and found a place east of it. He made himself a shelter there and sat in its shade to see what would happen to the city. (laughs) Then the Lord God appointed a plant and it grew over Jonah to provide shade for his head to rescue him from his trouble. Jonah was greatly pleased with the plant. Now, Now look at this. Even when we have a bad attitude, even when we go stomping off somewhere, God still will do things for us that are pleasing to us. Because frankly, he's overlooking your bad attitude. It doesn't mean he's ignoring it. He's overlooking it while you work out your issues. Because we all have had bad attitudes. Amen? How many of us have ever had a bad attitude? Amen? Okay, so this is nothing that we don't, this is nothing, yeah, right, both hands up, exactly. So this is not anything that we are strange about. You know, good old Pastor Gus, I know at one time in his life has had, at least once in his life, has had a bad attitude. Just one time. (laughs) So we're looking at God's compassion in the midst of our sin. Aren't we? There's compassion that's taking place here. Look what it says in verse 6. Jonah was greatly pleased with the plant. It was hot out there. He had some shade. Now look at verse 7. When dawn came that next day, God appointed a worm. Appointed a worm. Now, you understand something. God is over the big and the small. He has control over all of our creation. God appoints a worm to go and attack this plant. And it withered. And in verse 8 it says, As the sun was rising, God appointed a scorching east wind. He is trying to get Jonah's attention about this prolonged bad attitude. Understand something. You can get away with a bad attitude for a short time, but you need to recover. You need to come out of that funk. Because that's what it is. It's a prolonged funk now. That funk can last two or three or four days. And guess what it does? Because of your sin, you're affecting other people because they have to put up with your nonsense. I'm just telling it like it is. Because it is nonsense. You're feeling sorry for yourself. And so you want other people to feel sorry as a result of you feeling sorry for yourself. But God is dealing with Jonah right now. The sun beat down on Jonah's head so much that he almost fainted and he wanted to die. He said, it is better for me to die than to live. Once again, the prolonged response going back to verse 1 or 2, where he said he wanted to die, is better for me to die than it is for me to live. Well, wait a minute, you're a preacher. You're preaching the word. What's more important than that? Don't you want to see other people get saved? Verse 9, Then God asked Jonah 
is it right for you to be angry about the plant? And you can see Jonah responding, yes, it's right, he replied. I'm angry enough to die. And you can hear him say that in that manner. A preacher, human being, people getting to know the Lord, sincerely, clothes torn, maybe if I repent and show myself to be faithful to the Lord, that he will keep this disaster from us. And that's exactly what he did for the people of Nineveh. Verse 10, so the Lord said, you cared about the plant, which you did not labor over and did not grow. It appeared in a night and perished in a night. But may I not care about the great city of Nineveh, which has more than 120,000 people who cannot distinguish between their right and their left, as well as many animals. That's where the story ends. That's where the story ends. Whether you have a bad attitude or not, God will do what he does. Whether you like it or not, God is going to do what he does. He is compassionate, and Jonah said the words himself. That's the God we serve. So what's with the bad attitude? What is with the bad attitude? You know, that question is never answered. That's where Jonah ends. We can only we can't we can't even speculate. Go ahead. Forgive me, but I have to share this. Go for it. What do you what do you <laughs> That's that's what this class is all about. Please share. That's fine. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, it did. When you hear that. Yeah. And we need to understand that sometimes. It's it's look, it's okay for you to ask questions of God and, and have emotion come through that. But you're gonna sometimes get an answer that you may or may not expect. But it will be a righteous answer based upon who he is. Go ahead. Yep. That's right. Guess what, though, Faith? There's a lot of folks exactly like that that supposedly have a relationship with Jesus Christ. I'm putting it out there that this is this behaviors that you're seeing and these things that are being demonstrated here 
are really an opportunity for you to look in the mirror. Look in the mirror. If you lack compassion for a prolonged period of time, look in the mirror. You know, it was put to you very, very plainly when you prayed about it. And he gave it to you. He gave you the answer. And it's like, yeah, I get it. Who else had it? Was that? Yep. I know God's compassion. The question is now, should I have that same compassion, that same heart as that for the people? And we see that even in mission work today. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yes. That's right. And he didn't, he didn't back down. And it's, it's, it's stupid and important to give them little shred for being honest about it. Because a lot of us, boy, we want to be that honest. We want to own that attitude. But then we just, you know, when we get to a place, we get scared. And, oh, man, I didn't really mean that, God. I'm okay. You know, I, I, I just really, you know, mm-hmm. I'm not honest about it. it. didn't make it right. Right. But he, the, he had a better shot of getting this right than anybody because he was being honest about it with himself. He didn't try to. That's true. We, we give credit where credit is due. He was honest about his own feelings. Now, were they right? No, but he was being honest about it. Go ahead. I'm sorry. All the time. Yeah. Well, that's a, that's a good point to stop because we can pick up next time. But I want you to understand that this whole thing about us developing this humility because we look at our lives and we're being honest about who we are, it's a daily growth process. 
we know, we know a lot more than some people do, but we know we got a long way to go because of how we behave, how we act, how we live our lives. So let this be a lesson to us to look in the mirror and humble yourself before God and be thankful that he is giving you grace and mercy where a lot of people didn't get it. So keep that in mind, and we'll pick up where we left off here and talk about Psalm 130 and go further into this and dig deeper as we close out this part of the lesson. Father, we just thank you for this time that you've given us to come together and have just great discussion. We thank you, Lord, for helping us to be mindful of who we are before you. We thank you for your grace. We thank you for your patience. We thank you for your mercy. Lord, we're not deserving of it, yet you extend it to us. You give us the opportunity to make things right with you. You give us the opportunity to proclaim the gospel, the truth to others, to see you for who you are. We thank you for those opportunities. We thank you for life itself to be able to do those very things. We pray that as we continue to focus on who you are, that we learn and grow And we thank you again for looking after us as you do. Thank you for forgiving us at a moment's notice when we asked for it. And even thank you, Lord, for overlooking our sin in mercy, knowing that you desire for us to come right back to you. We pray now for the upcoming message and the speaker, and we give you praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. We'll pick up next time. Amen.